Well, we're fortunate today to have uh, a guest that we've had at n- numerous times in our church family, and over the years we've actually twisted David's arm, and he's now one of our outside elders. That means he gets to uh, straighten me out as a pastor. Uh, but uh, no, it's just a great friendship. Uh, David's pastored uh, originally from Argentina, but he's been in Canada many, many years. He's pastored numerous congregations in Ontario and BC. He's been on, uh, addressed thousands of people on TV, stadium, stadium events. He's written in uh, Decision Magazine. He's been the former director of the National Initiative for the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association of Canada and currently teaching at Nation to Nation Christian University. Uh, David is married. He has his wife, Diana. They live in Waterloo, Ontario, have three married daughters, and the biggest and most important thing, eight grandchildren. So come on up, David, and share with us. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Always a pleasure to be here with you. Pastor Paul is my friend, and I'm very grateful for his friendship, and I'm really glad to be with you this morning. Pastor Paul asked me to speak on a topic that is my favorite topic, so I'm going to share some of my favorite stories with you, uh, my favorite experiences. So, there was this man, and he was a young man, and he was having trouble with relationships. He wanted to love someone, but he didn't seem to connect, and so one day in frustration at home alone, he says, Alexa, Alexa, why do I have trouble with women? And Alexa answered, I'm Siri. (laughs) But the truth is that God has created all of us to need love. And he created us, first of all, to know him and to know his love. And some of us have found it. And some of you are on your way to God, or maybe this morning, this is your time to say enough about hearing about it. I'd like to experience God's love for myself. So I want to talk about this incredible topic, which is, which is love. And Sophocles said, just want to see, okay. Sophocles said, one word frees us of all the weight and pain on life. That word is love. And love is a need that everyone has, but many don't need know that they need, it is God's love that they need. But the power of love definitely is the strongest of all, of all. Can you imagine if God and Jesus had a conversation in heaven before Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago? The conversation might have gone something like this. God would say to Jesus, You know I created earth and all those people. They're messing things up down there. They're hurting each other. They're seeking in all the wrong places. They're not doing well. Would you go down to earth? I know it's a sacrifice. You would become one of them and you'd walk amongst them. But you'd still be holy, the son of God, my son. And you'd talk to them about this love that that they don't know. That I love them. And tell them how to live and how to put their lives together. Give them values that matter. And, and then they're going to hate you for it. And they're going to put you on a cross and kill you to shut you up. But you're going to die out of love. You're going to die in their place. Because I want them to see how much I love them. 
And then you will rise again. And they will, from that day on, be able to know your love and my love for themselves. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. John 3.16, the most popular verse in the Bible, correctly so. For God so loved the world, the world meaning people like you and me, broken, messed up people, just like you and me, that he gave his only son, that whoever, 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 believes in him, here or watching at home, whoever chooses to believe in him will have everlasting life. And on the cross, he sacrificed. And love includes sacrifice. Jesus Christ dying on that cross. C.S. Lewis, the great Christian writer, was once in his famous pub in Oxford, and pastors been to Oxford as I have, and C.S. Lewis got in and they were having an argument at the table about which religion was right, about the Muslim faith or the Buddhist or, or, or no faith at all, all the different things. And finally they were concluding they're all exactly the same. There's no difference between Christianity and Buddhism and my, all the rest of the others. And C.S. Lewis said, oh, no, 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 no. There is, there's only one difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world. And that's called grace. There isn't another religion in the world which has a God who loves you so much that he died on the cross for you and rose again so that this morning here in Red Deer, Alberta, you can know him for yourself and you can know your sins are forgiven and that you will, he will walk with you through all of life and one day when you die, you will definitely go to meet him in heaven forevermore. That is the love of the Bible. That is the love of God. And it's not enough to know about it, but we also want to share it with others. We want to share this love. The power of love is the greatest force in the universe, for sure. Power. Power. My mother used to say, love will always find a way. Indifference will always find an excuse. My mom was a wise woman. And we want to share this wonderful love with those that haven't yet found it, because that's what love does. I read recently of a Mexican lady from Mexico. That's where they come from. <laughs> and she was in the United States, and this Mexican lady goes to see her pastor with an interpreter. I call them an interrupter. And she explains how she came to the United States from Mexico with nothing and how she was searching for love and purpose and meaning. And then a neighbor, a neighbor, just a neighbor, knocked on her door and said, I saw that you arrived and I'd like to help you and I, I can pray for you. And this Mexican lady who was not a believer, she was a good person, not a believer, she, she knew about God but didn't know him for herself, said, sure. And, and this lady would check that she was all right. And then Christmas came around and the Mexican lady said, this neighbor who I hardly knew gave me a lovely present and it was beautifully wrapped with a bow and everything. And then a while later she invited me to her house, into her home, and we had dinner together. And as we sat at the table and she talked about Jesus and love, I, I, as we sat at the table, I saw this acceptance this love from her by her actions, by her words. And as I sat at the table, I said, I always knew there had to be a God like this. 
a God who accepts you and loves you. And she said, as a consequence of that love from a neighbor, the love spilled over, I have become a follower of Jesus myself. I don't know where you're at this morning, but if you're here this morning and you've never prayed and said, God, I want you in my life, not about my life, in my heart. He's willing to come in and forgive you of your sins and help you to live a life that makes a difference. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, but by me there's a way to God, and it's found in the Bible, and it's called love, and he's got a name. He's called Jesus. Jesus. Wow. In Corinthians it says this, and now these three remain, faith, hope, love, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. A love that is so wonderful that it includes sacrifice sacrifice now my my mother and here's a picture of my mom and that's a picture taken I'm going to tell you a story one of my favorite I told you this was my favorite stories and this is one of them that's a picture taken in a place called Tucumán in the north of Argentina where I lived at that time and uh, you can see my mother there and the little boy is me and the ugly baby is my brother And what I'm going to tell you actually happened. There's a river nearby called the Pilcomayo, and it was very hot in Argentina. My family lived there. My dad worked for Shell Company, and we middle class, lower middle class. And, and my mother was a prim and proper lady. She was always caring for other people. She, she had a huge heart. She loved people. And she would would invite people to the home when people were, were, were desperate. He'd ha they'd have them home for lunch or dinner or, or teas. And people were new to a community. She would welcome them. She did it all on her own. She would just, that's what she did. And I remember once she, she invited people that were in need. And she invited more people than she had food for. And my mother, who was very dignified, very prim and proper and easily embarrassed, suddenly realized as she was cutting the chicken that she didn't have enough chicken for everybody. And so she gave all the chicken to the people and left none for herself. And then one of the ladies said, just a minute, you haven't got any chicken. Take some back from my plate. And that mortified my mother. Oh, no. And I learned something that morning, that love means giving other people your chicken. <laughs> and that's right. Love always has a price and a cost. And so the story I want to tell you happened by that Pilcomayo River. It was very hot in the tropics of South America. And my dad and mom and dad went to have a picnic. And I was a little boy, my brother a little baby. And we went to the picnic beside this, this river where there normally are piranhas. We swim fast. <laughs> and alligators, which we call caiman. And... And so we sat on the banks because it was incredibly hot, no air conditioning, and we were going to go swimming. And there were other families also having picnics. And my mother brought a nice little na napkin thing and had a little basket with food that she'd prepared, and all prim and proper, dignified, reserved, very reserved mum. And she put everything out neatly. She had on her nice sundress. And my dad took me and my brother out into the river. And my brother, baby, and my dad sat my brother on a rock in the river and went out swimming further with me. 
suddenly we hear <laughs> and we look and it's my mother my dignified reserved could be canadian mother and she's running like a mad woman yeah screaming all the people on the bank looking at her saying ooh we have a loka here loka loka ooh and she's running and she's going into the water and she slips in the water and slides in the slime and the guy has a gash on her leg and rips her her dress and what had happened was that my brother the little baby had lost his balance on that rock and he'd fallen face down into the river being taken away by the current and my mother the dignified reserved mother suddenly saw her son and she yelled and screamed and ran and pulled him out and the the baby started crying and the people on the bank suddenly realized what had happened and they clapped wow and my my mother saved my brother's life later on when we fought i wish she hadn't But could you imagine could you imagine what would have happened if my mother had not done anything just think about it she sees the little boy fall into the water and she says where are the lifeguards we pay lifeguards we, that's not my job i don't know how to swim i don't do that i've never done that before i don't know maybe i'll i'll look look after him later I mean, I don't want to get involved. They're going to think I'm nuts. I'm going to get embarrassed. What are people going to say about me? I'm dignified. I'm reserved. Okay, maybe I'll just say I pray for you. Hmm. Or maybe point and say serves him right. Serves him right. Well, obviously she didn't do that. So I want to ask you the question then what made my mother the dignified reserved mother willing to leave her comfort zone and go do something she'd never done before save my brother's life and the answer is love 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 is the only force in the world that will make us do things that only God would have have us do and when we listen to God we will love we were loved my she was embarrassed she hurt herself there's always a cost in loving you will find rejection sometimes hmm? you will get hurt that's part of the price you pay for loving she gashed her leg in fact she nearly had it amputated because they they put in stitches but gangrene was setting in and there was no penicillin we're talking about the middle of south america in the jungles and fortunately some was flown in from the states at the last moment and saved her leg the dress she had was the only nice dress she had and it was ripped there's a cost involved why would she be running like that with a sense of urgency because it was a life and death situation you see love and only genuine love will make us do something like that and we have a god that loves us so much that he put us on this earth to spread this love to those who yet haven't found it i'd like to go to give a very classic message very classic message is found in the gospel of luke chapter 15 and it's a it's a story it says then jesus told them this parable and as you look at it it's a familiar story it's actually three stories there's a story of a lost sheep 
the story of a lost coin, and the story of a lost son. The people call it the triune parable. Because each story, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, each one builds momentum. Jesus is a master teacher. He repeats the same thing three times because it's so important he wants to make sure we understand it. Billy Graham, who I had the privilege of meeting and working with, Dr. Graham said, when you preach, always repeat things three times. The first time you say it, the people at the front get it. <laughs> the second time you say it, the people in the middle get it. And the third time you say it, the people at the front never forget it. <laughs> And the message is such a simple one. The message is found in, sorry, the message is found, here we go. I think I'm messing this up. Okay. In Luke 19, verse 10, it tells us the message of this parable. It's simply this. For the Son of Man, keep and the son of man came to seek and save the lost. That's it. Jesus came because of love for a dying world, and he loves them, he loves you, he loves me, he wants us to love the world. And I'd like to use the word care, C-R-E, as an acrostic for four things, because you cannot love without caring. Right? So we see the letter C, and we're going to look at four simple things. Okay, number one, in the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, we see, first of all, compassion. Something was lost and it was of great value to the person. Something that they valued and didn't want to lose. Okay, so something is lost. And we see the first one is the shepherd. And what is lost is one sheep. He has a hundred sheep and one sheep gets lost, but that sheep matters so much to the shepherd that, that he goes after that sheep. Why? Because he cares for the sheep. If the sheep goes on its own, the wolves will get to it, and he wants to be there for that sheep, and he risks and leaves his comfort zone out of compassion. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Loses one. The sheep represent people like you and me. People who don't know Jesus. People who, who wander around. They, the sheep didn't intentionally got lost. He probably is a sheep. He, he went probably and didn't notice that he got lost. And, and there are people around us in our neighborhood, maybe even in this congregation this morning. You didn't intend to get lost. You just haven't heard the story properly. And you need to be found. Maybe you knew people like that. Good people. They're just wandering. But God loves them. And he wants them to know his love too. And he wants to use you to reach them. And the second story is, is uh, sorry, in, in Isaiah it says this. It says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So we see then that, that, that we're just like the sheep that gone astray. And God wants to reach that person. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a friend. And then we have the coin. And it says in verse 8, it says this. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. That coin matters to her. That is of value to her. It's worth getting to find. 
She has, if you will, the coin is an inanimate object, but it represents people who have no concept of God, no concept of anything. They're just existing, and they don't have one religion or the other. They just don't have any. And there are people like that in our culture, in our world, who just never thought of God. And they yet also need to be reached. And then the third one is the most famous story in all of literature, let alone scripture. It's the story of the prodigal son. And it says in verse 11, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. And one of the sons chose to rebel and take his inheritance and go as far away from the father. He wants nothing to do with it. And that, that son represents people who once knew Jesus, who once were in church. Maybe it's your son or your grandson or, or your friend. Or maybe it's you. But God loves you. And he has compassion on you. And he wants us to reach people that have wandered away from him. Bob Pierce, uh, who started World Vision, wrote in the editor of his Bible a prayer, which needs to be my prayer. He wrote, may my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. May my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. And Jesus heart is broken for a lost world because he loves them so much. On the cross, Jesus, on the cross, looked down at people that hated him, that had said, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And on the cross, Jesus looking down at people that hated him and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We're talking about a love that is a God love that he wants to express through you and me. Earlier, when Jesus was on earth, he looked over the crowds and it says he had compassion on them. But they were like sheep without a shepherd. And you know, in that crowd, there were people just like your neighbors. Some of them were, were having adulterous relationships. I don't know if your neighbors are, but, but in, in the crowd, <laughs> I just created a scandal, didn't I? You know, or they were robbing, or, or, or I don't know what they were doing, but they were no different than the rest of us. Okay? And Jesus looked over the crowds, even though he knew what they do, and said, you know, had compassion on them. Had compassion on them. I pastored four congregations, as Pastor Paul mentioned. One of them, the first one I pastored, uh, grew through people finding Jesus Christ because I believe that God loves you and God loves me and he wants to love people through me and he wants to love people through you in a broken world. And, and one day, a, a guy came into our church who was a transvestite. Now, we're talking decades ago, long before it was on television. I just spoke at Promise Keepers at a big event for Promise Keepers, the men's ministry. And my opening line was, men today, when they're about to date a woman, the first question they need to ask is, were you always a woman? <laughs> We're living in a crazy world. And this, this transvestite showed up at our church, dressed as a woman, a man dressed as a woman, and he came cursing and swearing, and to the compliment of my congregation, they went up to him and talked to him. And even though he was cursing and trying to, trying to shock them, they didn't get shocked. They, they loved him. And, and he, he was befuddled and he left. And then we didn't see him for a long time and he came back. He was a messed up young man. He came back with tattoos all over his body. 
and, and hobnail boots. And he came back again. And uh, tattoos, have you ever, haven't you often wondered about people with tattoos? Don't they realize that one day that eagle will be flapping in the wind? <laughs> and then she, he came back another time. He came back with piercings all over his nose and anywhere you could put a piece of metal. In fact, if you had a magnet in your pocket, he'd follow you wherever you went. <laughs> well, the people in the church, to their, comp to their credit, instead of standing back and judging like the Pharisees, they loved this character. They took him out for lunch and they did it on their own like if they were Christians or something. <laughs> you see... Love is a sign of a Christian. And they loved this character. They found out he was a male prostitute. He messed up all sorts of problems, drugs. We managed to get him into rehab and eventually one day he gave his life to Jesus. And the day that we baptized him, water baptism, he had a mohawk. The biggest mohawk I've ever seen. It was red and blue and green, like huge thing. If he turned his head sideways, half the congregation disappeared. <laughs> and I remember to my dying day, when we, he was in the waters of baptism, and he stood there and he talked about how God reached him and loved him and forgave him. Everyone was crying. You see, it wasn't the message that did it. It was people like you and me, regular people, who instead of judging showed compassion because love is compassion and when we baptized this guy with a big mohawk we found out that that mohawks are held with gel <laughs> and gel is water soluble and this big mohawk went to the and then he came back up totally slick back changed man <laughs> why am I telling you this story because what the world needs now is people that care about the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. Because if you don't have compassion, you're not going to do anything. Because just like my mother ran and didn't care that she got hurt, it's love that has to drive us. And without love, I don't care what methods you use, they're useless. But the love of God will find a way where no one else will find a way and God will show you how you can reach them if you have compassion. If you have compassion. Wow. Okay. Let's go to number two, which is action. 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 You see, not only did they care about these lost things, but they also believed that they were worth saving. They were worth doing whatever it took. You see, there's no point telling the shepherd, hey, you've got 99 others. Why do you bother for the one? Because that one mattered. And he was not going to stop till he found it. Pastor talked earlier a few moments ago about per perseverance. How we need to persevere. And this is one of those cases. And if you see the story, you realize that the first story is one of a hundred gets lost. One percent. The second story is one of ten coins gets lost. That's ten percent. The third one is one of two sons. That's fifty percent. Jesus builds a story so that we see, and the value increases as he tells the story, trying to get the message across that he came to love a broken and a hurting world. 
So let's look quickly at the she lost sheep and what action happens. And it says, does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? That Jesus said, isn't it the guy loses the sheep? He's not going to sit at home twiddling his thumbs. He's going to get up and go do whatever he can to reach that neighbor, that friend, that whatever it might be. He'll do whatever it takes. I was in Calgary speaking at a big Chinese conference. Uh, I've spoken at one church in Toronto, believe it or not, 5,000 Chinese, well, the biggest church in Toronto probably. And this group of Chinese in Calgary, uh, I spoke on, on this story, not this particular message. And afterwards, the, the, the moderator of the meeting, there was, I don't know, 500 Chinese leaders there. And he said, you know, I learned today that, it, that we need to be going after the one instead of focusing on the 99 all the time. Now, I, you don't forget the 99, but you certainly focus on the one. And then there's a coin. Does she not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? In other words, action, do something. My dad used to tell a terrible joke. In fact, I think the, it's a genetic problem. <laughs> but he used to tell this joke, and it's, it's terrible, and I'm going to tell you anyway, <laughs> of these two kids that were twins, and they were exactly born same time, exactly looked alike and everything, but one was an optimist, one was a pessimist, one was, oh, everything's always wrong, everything's always good, and so they took them to psychiatrists, said, how could, they brought up in the same environment, why would one always see good or one always see the bad, so they would, said, we'd do a test, so they put the kid that, uh, that saw nothing but bad in a room full of lovely toys, and then they got the other kid, and they put him in a barn that happened to have a, a big pile of horse manure, and they did, watched them for an hour, when they came back, they found the kid with a room full of toys hadn't touched any toys. They're going, it's a trap. They're going to break. I played it safe. I did nothing. And the kid in the horse manure was covered in horse manure. He was digging in it. They said, what are you doing digging in horse manure? And the little boy said, with all this here, there's got to be a horse here somewhere. <laughs> I told you it was a terrible joke. But you know, there's got to be a horse here somewhere. When you really want to reach lost people, you'll find a way. You'll do what it takes. You'll find something that works. Just, you do. Action. That takes us to the next one, which is, sorry, verse, a son. It says in verse 20. I've lost my place in the notes. Let me try again. Okay. It says, while he was still a long way off, the father saw him. The, the father scanning the horizon because that son mattered to him. He valued the son. He was going to do whatever it takes. The story of the Good Samaritans, a powerful story where Jesus teaches the same concept again. And he talks about the man broken on the road and, and how this Samaritan who was an immigrant, the hero of the story is an immigrant, who, who goes out of his way to heal this person of a different culture, a different race, different language, and, and he's the hero. He goes out and helps this man in need. But there's a priest and a Levite that in the story too, where Jesus said that they saw the man in need and they crossed on the other side. And they, they were on their way to church or on their way back from church, the temple. That's sad. And I look at the thing and I say, you know, how often have I been the priest? Have I been the Levite? And so we need to see the world differently. God, you want to use me. 
Help me find a way to reach someone. I lived in a house in a place called Mississauga at one time. And I hadn't led anyone to Christ for quite a while. I was a businessman at the time. And uh, I was involved in my church. I was already a believer. I came to Christ when I was 23 in Buenos Aires, Argentina. I prayed and began my relationship with God. And if you're here this morning, you can do the same thing. I was in a church. I was not accustomed to being in church. We didn't go to church. But I was missing something in my life. And, and I prayed as you can pray before you leave. God, I need to know this love for myself. Not about it. But in my heart, I need, there's something missing in my life. And so my life changed. So, so here I am, and, and, and I decide I better start praying for my neighbors. So I started praying for my neighbors on either side. I got to find out what their names were, started praying every, nearly every day for them. And then when they were mowing the lawn, all I would do is talk to them. And uh, when he was fixing a car, I would go over and see if I could help him. I can't. I don't know how to do anything with cars. I staple up wallpaper. <laughs> That's how capable I am. But I would go and chat to him. And, and then we were doing an outreach at the church. And uh, so I decided I would invite them. I'd been praying for them. I was a little embarrassed to invite them. But, but I did. I, I went to them. They were from a different faith. And, and I just said, you know, I, I had talked to him about Jesus before. But I said, you know, on Sunday we're at the church. And you're welcome to come. This is the time it's happening at. And they looked at me like a cow looks at a new gate. <laughs> and, and that's fine. Sunday shows up. And believe it or not, this woman, my neighbor, shows up in church. I hadn't expected her to come, man of faith and power. She showed up. She showed up when the service had already started, and we were all singing, I don't know, Amazing Grace or something. And she came in in a miniskirt that was so short it was more like a belt. And a plunging neckline. I wasn't sure she was in the dress trying to get out of it or out of the dress trying to get into it. And she had a huge bouquet of flowers, true story. And she started walking down the, the thing as we're singing, whatever we were singing. And she walks down and everybody... <laughs> you know, we're, we're sick, aren't we? Yeah. And she came all the way down to the front and then she did something in the dress she never should have done. She went, got on her knee, did the sign of the cross. That morning, she gave her life to Jesus Christ. Her life totally changed. Now, the point is simply this. What in the world did I do? Nothing very special. I just prayed, which all of us can do, and I invited them to something. And that's something that we can do. A guy by the name of, of the Start of Salvation Army made, made this statement. He, he, he got a tel telex, I guess, then. He, and he got the telex, said, we're trying all the methods to reach people, and it's not working. What should we do? And he sent back, try tears. Try tears. If we want to change our world, it's love that's going to do it. Lord, give me a new compassion. Lord, help me to take some action. And that takes us to the, to the third point. And that is R in care is for rewards. Did I miss that already? There we go. It's for rewards, rewards, rewards. It says, it says in verse 5, 
it says about the sheep. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and go home. What makes these stories really exciting is that every one of them finds what they're looking for. The shepherd, the shepherd finds the sheep, the woman finds the coin, and the father finds the son. The, you see, there's a scriptural principle called seek and you will find. Don't seek and you will never find. But if you seek, you will find it's rewarded. And in verse 9, it talks about the coin. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors. And the father, the same thing, verse 20. But while he was still a, a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. You see, there's the word again. Filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arm around him and kissed him. You see, every one of them found what they were looking for. And we've got unsaved friends and neighbors and maybe you've got backslidden boys and children. And we need to start believing God that God's love is bigger than them and he will reach them through you and you can make a difference and God will touch their lives. I'm going to say amen all by myself. Amen. Wow. Wow. Now you need to know the story of the prodigal son. The father ran but he didn't just run because he wanted to see his kid, which he did. But he ran because in the, in the culture of that day, when somebody had wronged the master, who was highly respected, and this boy had, he'd taken what he, his, his treasures, he'd gone off, he despised his dad, walked away and abandoned it, and it was an embarrassment on the father. And the villagers and the people that worked for the dad, if they'd saw the son, they would have killed him. So when the father ran to get his son, he was doing it to hug him and to save his life. You see, love makes us do amazing things, doesn't it? But he finds and there's a reward. That takes us to number four, which is excitement. I'm, I'm messing this whole thing up, aren't I? But I'm having fun. I have no idea what I am, but there you go. Oh, good. I'm in, okay, I'm in excitement. Oh, good, good, good. Uh, how are we doing? You all still with me? I'm going to tell you one more story, if I may. Um, uh, I, there was a lady in my congregation who was called Nancy, Italian lady, and she said, you know, I have a husband who doesn't want to come to church. He, he's come once or twice, and he's... But, but I, you know, I love him, and I'm praying for him every day, and would you go see him and talk to him about Jesus? I didn't want to do that. Am I being bad, or am I like you? <laughs> I saw a joke, and it was a cartoon of a guy at a bus stop with a T-shirt. It said, ask me about Jesus. And he said, the guy with the T-shirt said to the friend, I wear this so nobody talks to me on the journey. We laugh, but it's got truth in it. So I go to see this guy. He's called Ernie. He worked in a, he owned a furniture making store. Sold us everywhere. I told him I'd take him out to lunch. So he says, you're going in my car. He takes us to a restaurant. It looked more like a strip joint. And it wasn't, fortunately. And I talked to him. And then I, I asked him about himself, because the best way to share your faith is to ask questions and listen. Because nobody asks questions or listen today. 
So ask questions and listen. That's what love does, by the way. And so I found out that he loved fishing. And now I don't fish. I think that fishing is like having a nap with a pole. <laughs> I quit fishing with the outlaw dynamite. So I said to him, sure, I'll go. I, can I go fishing with you someday? Because I knew he liked it. I don't like fishing, but, but, but he did. So if I'm trying to build a relationship, we go where they are, right? And so I said, I'll go. And he said, sure, meet me at 4 a.m. <laughs> I didn't know there was such a time. Yeah. You know, if I ever got up at the crack of dawn, I'd fill in the crack and go back to bed. So I meet him, go to his house, he's pulling his boat out, he's got a truck pulling a boat out, packs it in, and we go onto the lake, and it's dark, obviously, four in the morning, and I'm there saying, what was I thinking? <laughs> and he has depth finder things that tell you where the fish are, did you know that? I don't know anything about this. But he had them, and you could see the fish going, yeah. And he had the walkie-talkie thing. You could hear other fishermen on the lake. They're catching fish here. Yeah, we'd go there. We're catching fish here. We'd go there. Well, at the end of the day, we didn't catch a single fish. But I did because Ernie became a believer. And he and his wife became wonderful supporters of our ministry. And the point is, it wasn't that difficult to do. It's simply a matter of knowing that we can do something for someone. We have compassion, we take some action, and that we know that God is the one who rewards. We don't. God is the one who produces the fruit, which takes us to finally to excitement, excitement. I have to tell you, I remember one day vividly, I was in the lobby of the church, we did multiple services just like you do, and this girl that gave her life to Christ the week before, maybe she was 22, came in and she said, oh, pastor, you have no idea, this was the best week of my entire life. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus, it was the best week of my life too. We forget how wonderful knowing Jesus is. I'm so glad that in that little church in Argentina, I prayed as you can pray. And that prayer literally changed my life. God became real to me. His love filled my heart, didn't make me perfect, but he made me forgiven. And now I still have troubles and problems, but Jesus is with me in the storms of life. And we see what happens in the story. It says, verse 6, the excitement. Verse 6, then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. And, and then Jesus applies the spiritual principle. And this is what we mustn't miss. This is a spiritual reality to the story. It says, I tell you, Jesus says, that in the same way there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Isn't that something? All of heaven is watching me, and I'm excited about that. Wow, wow. And then we see the same with the coin. It says in verse 9, and when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. And in the same way, here Jesus applies the spiritual reality. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Do you realize that God has put us here 
not for myself, but to be an agent of change to a broken world that he loves them so much and he wants to do it through me and through you. Awesome. Awesome. And then we see the son, the most wonderful story, in verse 22. But the father said to the servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and I was alive. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So what do we see? We see compassion. Real love shows compassion. Real love makes us do something, action. Real love has rewards because what you seek you find. And excitement. And the excitement wasn't just in the sheep that got found, he must have been excited to see his mum again, or the son that finally got home. But the excitement's also in the person who did the searching. The shepherd was thrilled. The woman that found the coin was thrilled. And the father was, was thrilled. He put a ring on the finger which symbolizes sonship, you are my son. He puts a robe on his shoulders which shows that he has a relationship with God. Wow. I pastored in Richmond, British Columbia, B.C., obviously. And there was this man who started coming to our church. He worked for um, Air Canada and uh, repairing planes or something. He was originally from Montreal. And he, he um, I got to quit, don't I? I'm sorry, my time is coming away. But I'm fine. Yes, I know, but time is what I was talking about. <laughs> I'm like this all the time. I'll tell you one thing. I have a lot of fun. Jesus is wonderful. And a merry heart is good like medicine. And I just love Jesus. And you know what? I know you do too. And if you're here and you don't, please, please don't leave this building before praying because it's the beginning of a walk with God. Chinese say every long walk starts with its one step, first step. The first step is to say right where you are, God, I need you in my life. God, I'm not where I want to be with you this morning. Maybe some have wandered away. But God loves you. 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 He brought you here this morning. And he wants to heal. He wants to restore. He wants to forgive. He wants you to succeed. He's your heavenly father who's in your cheering committee. And this man from Montreal showed up. And his name was, was let me remember his name. Some, I've got it here somewhere. Okay. Anyway, he had a name. <laughs> and, and he started attending. And he was religious, but he was searching. He was here by himself. His wife was still in Montreal, heading to sell the house, where they were moving to, to work in Richmond, B.C. And uh, gave his life to Christ. And then his wife showed up. Uh, some weeks later and they asked to see me and the wife sits in the office with me and him and says to me what did you do to him <laughs> that's what she said what did you do to my husband Mario Mario is his name okay. eventually okay. I sometimes have amnesia and deja vu at the same time And Mario said, what did you do to him? And I said, nothing. He's been different since I came. He's loving. He was loving anyway. He was kind. What happened? And I told him 
But I'm telling you, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift. God gives you forgiveness. God gives you salvation. Why? Because you don't deserve it. But he loves you so much that he died for you so that you would know him. And you know what? You're here this morning. And some of you aren't where you want to be with God. But God loves you so, so much. He wants you to leave this building filled with his love, filled with his joy, filled with excitements. And my prayer is that you will all leave here with a new sense of compassion, a willingness to act and do something, to, to believe that God will reward you for your prayers and your witness as you start inviting people and talking to people and that there'll be more excitement in your life than you've ever dreamt possible. So I get to close in prayer. But we're going to do two things, if that's all right with you. The first thing I'm going to do is pray in case you're here and you haven't begun your journey with Jesus. Okay, so we're going to ask you to close your eyes by heads in prayer. Jesus, um, and to, just if you're here and, and you, you, you'd like to know God's love for yourself, I invite you to pray as I did. I didn't understand what I was doing, but by faith I prayed like this. And you can pray along with me if you like. Dear Jesus... I need your love. Please help me to know you. This morning, I'm tired of doing things my own way. I surrender my life to you. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me for my sins. I repent of my past and my mistakes. Wash me completely clean. Help me to leave this building free and forgiven and with you as my Savior. Jesus, thank you for hearing this prayer. Help me walk with you from this day on. Amen. And the second thing that I felt in my spirit is there are some of you who have a, a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. And I know that the service has to conclude. But I will stand at the front. And if God has spoken to you this morning and you have a prodigal son, prodigal you'd like to pray for, I would like you to come to the front because I believe that this message will give you new insight and new anointing to be the witness that you want to be. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. Thank you so much for coming. God bless you.